Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Career Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Avila, and today's guest is Kayla D. Jackson. And wow, this episode is amazing. Kayla's career has had so many twists and turns and all in the right direction. So at the beginning, Kayla was working in social work. After experiencing some compassion fatigue and just generally realizing that she wanted a change in her life, she settled on looking into a career in home staging. Sounds completely different from social work. She had no experience, and so she blindly reached out to somebody whose career she idolized and wanted to work with and had success. And so she talks a little bit about that success and how to replicate that. And then she went into a successful business um, and career in home staging. And then along that way, realizing that she could really blend the two careers that she had into one. So home staging to Kayla is a lot about home management, making sure that your space is productive and useful for you. And so she started a business, and at the time it was called A Place for Audrey, where she could coach people on basically life and setting up their homes to make their lives as meaningful to them as possible. Since our conversation, at the end of this conversation, you're going to hear us talk about why she chose the name A Place for Audrey and why she chose that for her business. And since our conversation, this marketing shift that she mentioned she was going through has started to take place. And aplaceforaudrey.com has now settled into more of a community, a dedicated space for a monthly group that will help with people that identify as Black women and femmes. And it's an amazing new route for that area. Um, And all of her other business, um, the home staging, the life coaching, that will all be at kayladaniellejackson.com. So please head over to both kayladaniellejackson.com. And especially if you identify as a Black woman or or Black femme, head over to a aplaceforaudrey.com. And please enjoy our guest, Kayla D. Jackson. Hey everyone, welcome to the Career Journey Podcast, where we explore exciting careers and how to get them from the people who've lived it. I'm your host, Brittany Avila. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Hi, Kayla. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So when I read your profile, it really stuck out to me because of just the career changes that you made, they seem different. Um, so you were a social worker and then you went into kind of home design, interior design, which just seems completely like a 180, but now you've made it connected. Um, and you kind of utilize both of those skills to really help people figure out where they are, who they are, how to be happy in home and life and work and all of that stuff. And I just found it so amazing to be able to connect those two and hear that story. Um, So I guess we'll get started kind of on that journey. So what, what brought you originally to kind of social work as a career choice? Yeah. Um, So I, I really thought for a while that I would be like a clinical psychologist and do like a very different kind of PhD route Um, But what drew me a lot to social work was um, their specific theme of person and environment. It really already connected the pieces of like, yes, you have your client, but you also have your client and what their identity shows up as 
as a family member, as a parent, as a sister, as a whatever, as the employee of this job, as a person in this neighborhood. And that all of that context is really important towards helping folks get their goals met. Yes. Um, so I was really, I was really intrigued by that idea. And I just, I've always loved the idea of helping folks. And I thought what better way to combine my love for social justice and helping people than to be in social work. And was that a hard decision to make to go from like thinking of clinical PhD to social work kind of master's level? I know it's nuanced, but I have a lot of students because I teach psychology and I have a lot of students that struggle with PhD versus master's just in general and thinking that one's less than the other, which is totally, completely not true. Sure. Um, But I'm wondering if you struggled with kind of that idea at all or with anything in making that decision. Yeah, you know, and there's, I think, and I think a lot of that, um, a lot of those beliefs kind of still feel fairly present in the field, right? Like as say a social worker versus a clinical psychologist, I think that the, the thing that was most helpful for me to kind of like still sit with given the different biases that there are towards either one of the fields um, was just the concreteness of what your actual day looks like. Right. Right. So like a clinical psychologist could potentially be doing a lot of community work, but they would kind of have to go really out of their way yeah. to make that happen. Um, and it was explained to me about just how like, you know, one third of your career is doing a lot of research. Like you really need to publish, you really need to do this thing. Like it was a lot for me, how, yeah. Right. For me, how I interpreted clinical psychology, it was a lot more of an attachment to academia and towards contributing to the further work for other clinical psychologists to then look to and use to guide. Um, and while I think that that work is important, I think it was very clear to me that like, I wasn't as invested in wanting to be in school for a very long time and then to continue to be <laughs> in forever. <laughs> yeah, right. To just continuously be, you know, working on all of the things. Um, I really liked the concreteness and the you do this program for two years and then you take everything that you're learning and you apply it. And, you yeah. know, in some ways, a lot of it kind of was like, oh, this is very different than what I was taught. Um, but I think that that is what I appreciated about it is that there were pieces of academia involved when we're studying theories, when we're going through, um, change theory, when we're going through all of those things. And then there is just the live application of now you get to apply this and use your evidence-based practice to then see an actual shift in a person versus contribute to great research, but you just don't always get to see where it goes. Right. So that was really important to me. That's good. Great to hear. Cause that's what I usually say. The distinction is, is whether or not you want to do research, be more in academia and kind of do client work. Maybe I hate to say it, but like secondary, um, whereas social work or other kind of counseling programs tend to be more client focused. And like you said, community work, you could do that as part of your job without having to like do that as a side project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And so how, walk us through a little bit how that went. I know you said that you got to learn all these principles kind of in school, and then you got to go out and apply them. And you were kind of mentioning that it turned out maybe a little differently than what you were learning or. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I um, did some work in Missouri. And then after Missouri, I moved to the Bay Area 
I did a lot of social work in San Francisco and in um, the East Bay and Contra Costa County, Alameda County. Um, and it had been, I had kind of come to a, honestly, kind of a like career crisis in terms of what it meant that particularly for social workers, and I don't think that this is the same for clinical psychologists. I think that social workers are kind of trained to believe that they have a lot of agency and power mm-hmm. in controlling what's going on in this client's life and all the other people who are involved in this client's life. Okay. Um, and I think that society-wise, social workers just don't have that power and agency. Yeah. Um, that just is not really there. So it was kind of hard to sit with the piece of, you know, I have this Band-Aid and it's nice. It's a Band-Aid. It's pretty. It does some of the job, but there was just, it's not really fixing anything. It's not really addressing anything. Um, I have a very clear role still in the systematic injustices that happen. Um, And I think that it was... Naive isn't the right word, but I think that I just didn't fully understand how much of an impact I would actually have and how much of an impact me witnessing all of the injustice would have on me. Right. Um, so I experienced a lot, a lot of compassion fatigue and burnout. Um, in particular, I think just seeing so many people who looked like me on the other end of a table trying to figure out how to make these things work. And the only difference is maybe two or three choices or opportunities that I got that the other person didn't get. Right. And it just felt very, um, it felt hard to justify. It felt hard to justify to be in a field that also wasn't even paying me what I needed to be doing the work that I'm doing, to be living in the Bay. Um, So it was just a combination of many things that then just led to a serious burnout in a moment of just like, I can't do this professionally. I believe in the work, but I cannot have this be attached to my actual paycheck. Right. Um, It just is not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And how difficult was that process of finally having to kind of admit that you needed to get out of that situation? Did it come pretty quickly? Was it a long drawn out process? I think that the, I think that the realizing of what I needed to do came pretty quickly, but I think that it, it, also came at a serious cost you know like I mean you know experiencing burnout compassion fatigue like there's just a lot of things that are already going wrong for you to already be at that point um and have to kind of scale back and I think a lot of what was hard for me too was that you take a lot of pride in being a social worker it is very much so enmeshed in your identity yeah so when your work and your worth are kind of really just like tied into each other what does it mean that this thing that you thought you would do for the rest of your life, you, you can't do it. You don't want to do it. Like there were a lot of things that I had to work through in terms of um, how dare I go through all of this schooling and like, quote unquote, let these people down who wanted me to be this social worker. Um, Yeah. There was just a lot. There was a lot of kind of like piecemealing apart that, I have served my time and it made sense that that was the time that I need to go and that that's okay. That's fine. And how did you come across or how did you come out of that and start to decide your next steps? What went into the decision process to, how did you know where to go essentially? 
Yeah. Um, you know, I can't say that I fully did. I think that I just like committed to a choice. I could be very like, well, this is what's happening regardless. Um, so again, I was super burned out. I was fried. Um, and I had always loved interior design and home decor and home staging. Like I loved all of those pieces, but I just never thought that I was allowed to have that type of career. Right. There was just like something about, and it's something that I really would love for the field to kind of really deal with, but there's just some, some type of badge of honor that's attached with suffering in social work and just kind of like grunting and going, you know, just white knuckling it. Um, And that felt the interior design home staging world felt like the complete opposite of that. So it was just like, how can I just be in this creative space and not be doing anything for somebody or, you know, whatever, um, not come home exhausted. Like that's not allowed. (laughs) And it's just like, well, actually maybe it is plenty of people are doing it and they seem to be fine. Why can't I also just experience a moment where it's not a serious crisis at job or the crisis is that we don't have the right pillows. And it's like, well, I can handle that. (laughs) Yeah. It just doesn't, it just doesn't carry the same weight. Um, So yeah, I just decided, I was just like, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to do this thing. And I just want to see what happens, Um, which led me to, yeah, finding and working with an interior designer. Awesome. And so you worked with somebody else or under somebody else. How did you kind of break into that world since you didn't have maybe previous experience? Yeah. uh, You know, funny enough, it was just like a Google search. I was just looking (laughs) for interior designers and I just, I found this one uh, woman who I really respected and I just really liked her. And we had, um, we had similar ish backgrounds. We were both from Chicago originally and came out to the Bay and all of those things. Um, so I just said, I was like, Hey, I have no experience, but I have all the drive and passion. And like, I want to support your business in whatever way possible. Um, and what started off as a conversation between strangers turned into me meeting with her a few months later, which then turned into a job. So that's an amazing story. I love to hear (laughs) that just like blindly reaching out to somebody can work. It's awesome. Yeah. And you know, I think that I think that often people get scared of like, well, but they might not respond. And it's like, sure. But like often they you only respond. just need, they might respond. And often you only need one person to respond. Right. So like all the other no's were fine because I got the yes that I needed. Yeah. So, and did you reach out to more than one person or did you just kind of put all your emphasis in one to start with? I might have, I think I reached out maybe to maybe one other person, mm-hmm. but I just really felt I felt determined to kind of like show like, Hey, we've, we have a connection. And I think that this could really be fruitful for both of us. Yeah. So yeah, that is how I ended up working with that interior designer. That's awesome. And so how did that experience go starting a whole new kind of career and starting from scratch? What was that like? It was, it was really good. And it was super informative because I think similar to like the conversations I was able to have way back when, when I was deciding social work or clinical psychology, I didn't have that same, I didn't have those same people for what interior design actually looks like in the day-to-day, right? So like I had an idea that it was going to be, you're constantly creating and you're constantly at houses and you're constantly talking with your clients and doing this and doing that. And a lot of it is so much more involved than that piece. So like for some for some folks, especially for folks who, um, and this person in particular started her own company. Mm -hmm. So like so much of it was just managing and running 
a company <laughs> and a business, which is, you know, as I now know, quite a not bit of work. Not um, as fun. <laughs> yeah. And like, not as, yeah, not as fun, not as glamorous. Um, so it was really helpful to kind of see like what a day would look like um, in her shoes, but it was, it was really great. I'm really glad that I was able to connect with her. Um, but yeah, th- that then, that connection then shifted me over to home staging, which I liked so much more okay. because unlike, unlike interior design, where you're really trying to reconfigure a space, yeah. you're, you know, like you're going past the walls, you're going past all these other pieces, home staging, you are just kind of like putting a vision out mm-hmm. for potential buyers of what their home could look like. Mm-hmm. So you're not necessarily breaking down walls or changing the entire structure. You're just saying like, look at all the different ways that this space could be a home office, could be a nursery, could be a another bedroom. Um, right. So I loved, I loved that piece. Oh, that's what I need in my house. Just a home stager to come in. Like I see on HGTV and they do all these amazing things. I'm like, I need that. My home is a yes. <laughs> And so you enjoyed doing that. How long did you do that for? Are you still doing home staging as well? So I did, yeah. So I I parted ways with the interior designer and then um, worked a couple of jobs here and there, just was kind of like doing whatever would just make rent. (laughs) And then um, a friend of mine told me about a home staging company that was in need of an assistant. And I was like, okay, sure. I'll just try this out and see what happens. Um, and I was staging with them for, I guess, roughly a year. So the pandemic obviously shifted a lot of things. Pandemic was the biggest thing that shifted my home staging career. Um, so something that I thought that I would be in pretty long-term because I really liked it. I liked the pace of it. I liked the going into different houses. Um, yeah, the pandemic really kind of slowed all of that down. And, okay. and that's, sorry, that's just kind of curious to me because I think it would, my layman idea would have been that it might have increased that because home sales kind of went through the roof in the last few years, despite COVID. Um, how did COVID really affect the business? It brought, brought it down? So in the beginning, before we really knew the intricacies of like what transition is actually like with COVID, like what actually right. happened, you know, like, you know, one, we weren't, we weren't touching boxes. We were scared that like, you know, it was just so right. many things that we just didn't know. Um, so a lot of realtors were contending with, well, what's the point in bringing in these potentially, you know, COVID carrying furniture pieces? We don't want to do that. So um, empty. So for the first, yeah, for the first few months, particularly in the Bay, um, and I, and while real estate agents were deemed as essential workers, home stages were not at the time. It was a lot of back and forth. Um, so I was laid off and I just kind of had time to really sit and figure out like, okay, well, I mean, what do I do if I can't go back to it? Or if I do go back to it, but I have to go back to it in a way that feels kind of like risky for my own personal health um, right. and well-being. So yeah. Through all that time, that is when I did finally decide, like, you know, as much as I love home staging, I still really miss this client engagement piece. And as much as I love social work, I really miss the creativity piece and the emphasis on how I think important a home is to your overall growth and well-being. Um, So then that is where my business was born. (laughs) 
And so that kind of brings back that like intersectionality idea you brought up in the very beginning of a person's life consists of more than just one aspect, right? So it's the environment, it's their home, it's their work, it's who they're surrounding themselves with, it's systemic issues, it's all of these things in one. And is that something that guided you when you were thinking about creating your own business? Yeah, for sure. I really, I care a lot about agency and I care a lot about people having access to their agency. And I just really, I just fully believe that if you don't have agency in your own home, I don't know how you can have agency in other capacities of your life. I think it just would be hard, right? I don't think it's impossible, but I think, yeah, but I think it's just like, it's asking for a lot of you if you don't yeah. feel that comfort in your home. And if you aren't in a space that kind of honors and reflects your needs. Um, so I was at first really like, well, I can just do home styling. I can talk about gallery wall setups. I can talk about how to like reorient your space in a way that flows well with you. Um, and that's certainly how it started. But as I was getting more like in depth, with my clients and just like working through the pieces, it was also, they were also just showing me that there were more layers even to their home space, right? Like there's a lot of grief in their space. There's a lot of potential trauma in their space. There's just a lot of things happening that as I boated down to, it was just more than about the couch. (laughs) Like it was just like, it's not about the couch. It's not what we're talking about right now. Like we're talking about some real core, like inner child work we're talking about the themes around agency we're talking about like what it means to speak up and to stand by what you are asking for um and there were definitely still pieces of that kind of like home styling creating that space but it's definitely taking on more of an abstract but what does it feel like in your space and what would it mean to shift that feeling and how can it serve you and you know how can it actually be functional for you yeah and that makes so much sense to me because I feel like there's a lot of my home that I'm like, I think this is just a holdout because this is how it was done in my childhood. And I'm like, why is it like this? I'm 35. I can change it. Yeah. Um, so when you first sat down to like start your business, it sounds like it's changed a little bit since it started. What Walk me through a little bit what was going through your mind when you were going to start. So you were pretty much just, this is going to be a little bit of like home design kind of business. And how did you start it. I, yeah, yeah. I just started off saying like, I'm just going to do life coaching and home styling. I'll just offer both. And like other people will understand the connection that I'm making. And like, you know, I think people kind of tried. Sure. Okay. I, I get, I guess I kind of see what you're, what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I really had to kind of sit with the piece of you know, it's perfectly fine that I have these two passions, right? Like it's that, that makes sense. That's fine. Like, but I really had to do the serious work of showing the like, but this is why they're together. Mm -hmm. This is why it makes sense that these things are together. And this is why this is something that you need. So it was then that third marketing aspect Mm -hmm. that I had never dealt with in any other capacity, right? Like I didn't have to convince more often than not, my clients were not they were not willingly seeing me, right? Like it was court appointed. It was a requirement to get this service. You had to meet with me Um, in interior design. Like they completely and fully understood like, yeah, no, I want to change my space. I'm going to an interior designer. Um, But when now I'm in the gray area of like, well, I'm doing a kind of like niche form of coaching. Yeah. And I need to try to market it because people like the idea, but like 
do you like it enough to trust me through this very intimate process? Right. Um, so yeah, it, it has definitely looked very different from when I started it. It will continue to look very different. I've just kind of like <laughs> acknowledged and released that idea that it's going to be exactly how I formed it because um, circumstances change. My clients have a huge impact on how I believe it should be happening because if they have already come to work with me and they're giving me this feedback, I, I value that. And I think right. that it's really important, right? So yeah, so it has been a lot more focused on helping folks have more ease in their home and their life without feeling guilt. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I think people can understand. And the different ways that I approach it is like, oh, okay, well, yeah, all right, that's making sense. So I think that that was the biggest hurdle for me was just really getting the message across yeah. um, and having it align with what I am actually offering. And was that something that came naturally to you understanding exactly what that vision was and what that message is? Because I know at least personally, I have all these different routes of like what I like. I like everything and I could do like every job and connecting that is sometimes the hardest part of like what's underlying all of these different passions that I have. There's always kind of a thread. That's what I love about this podcast is you can kind of figure out everybody's thread, Mm -hmm. but it's hard when you're in the moment. So how did you kind of work through? Did you have to like sit down each day and like kind of think like, how do these connect? How do I, you know, now that you have maybe, was it the marketing lens that kind of forced you to think about how they relate or? Yes, absolutely. So from the like, from the, just my own personal processing, it makes perfect sense to me that I'm talking about home spaces and people feeling at ease in their home because the biggest thing that has been my ongoing narrative my whole life is safety in a house yeah and I think that that has just been really really just something that I have always been really focused on whether it be through interior design whether it be through social work whatever the case is I mean in the the particular population I worked with the most in social work were survivors of intimate partner violence. Mm -hmm. So there was just always something about me striving to help somebody feel safer in a space that was supposed to be safe, but is not safe for them. Yeah. Right. And like, that was, that's always been a huge thing for me. So it makes sense for me to piece all that together and be like, Oh, okay. Well, all of this Mm -hmm. makes sense. How to market that theme and idea. (laughs) It's super different. It was super different. So I, yeah, I worked with a business coach um, and I like bought their program and I was worried for a second because I was like, oof, I don't know, am I being scammed? But it was a very, like, it was very helpful because it was a part of, I've never had to use any type of marketing skills for my job. And like now I have to use a lot of marketing in my job. Um, And it was very helpful to kind of see that people need to hear that story. Um, And I think that it's kind of like the antithesis of so many of my other roles, because it's like, I'm not sharing with my social work clients, my personal narrative and what led me here. Like, it's not about me. Um, Whereas with this business, it, it is about me. Like people are going to want to work with me, not necessarily because my, my website flows so beautifully or, oh, her social media. (laughs) Thank you. It's like, those are pieces of it, but the biggest piece, like the biggest um, reason I think that a lot of clients do end up working with me is because they hear me and they hear my story and they're just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I've, I felt like that too. Like, Oh, okay. I'm so glad I wasn't the only person 
that has been stressed out at a job and had to leave it and like had to reconfigure how to do this or that. And like, I talk, I try to talk a lot about how, like, I'm not teaching about ease because I think that it's easy. Like, I don't think that ease is easy at all. I think that it is a very hard thing that you have to really kind of like have in your daily routine in life. And like, it doesn't come easy for me, right? Like, it's like, these are all skills that I have applied to my life that I am modeling to other people and also helping to teach other people to access whatever version of that is for you. Um, And I think that people find comfort in that too. So, yeah. And your, your story lends itself perfectly to why you're the best person for the job as well, because you have the experience from two, again, seemingly different career paths that can really forge a connection to build that exactly what you're saying, the safety in the home so that the home space itself is serving a person to make them feel better and that they're struggles and that everything else is also contributing to that safety yeah and I know those about pages on the website so like the biggest now I know most generally like uh the millennials and gen z we always go straight to the about pages to see what is behind the scenes and what the company is and was it difficult to transition to having to tell your story all of a sudden or once you got feedback did it become a little easier you know, it's still, it's still pretty tricky. I think that I really try to, I try really hard to hold the line of, I get to speak my truth about things that have happened to me and have led me to be who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and also how much, you know, how, I don't know, what is it, what is it costing me to have this kind of like out here for everyone to interpret in their own way? I think that that's the biggest, that's the biggest hurdle for sure is, um, kind of letting go of the control Yeah. because once the, you know, once, once things are out there, once things are discussed, once you kind of hear more of a context of like, well, here, I'm going to share this piece with you, you know, people can do whatever they want with that. Um, and that's just kind of like, that's, that's for them to work out, I guess. And I, and I really have to not, um, I guess I have to, you know, be personal and like depersonalize people's reactions to my personal story. Right. It's like, it's a, it's a like kind of weird thing to hold and juggle and navigate for sure. And so how did you kind of get this up off the ground? So you started working with a business coach, marketing, walk me through a little bit, what kind of that behind the scenes business-wise kind of stuff is? Is it grueling, like figuring out how to do QuickBooks and stuff like that? Or Yeah. You know, I think if anything, it's just so, it's so confusing. (laughs) Um, Everybody has a different take on how they think a successful business should look. And everybody has a different view of, well, if you do this thing, then you're not set up for this piece. So you should follow this protocol or you should follow this protocol. Um, And I think that it was just helpful to really zone in on just like one, one or two people of like, all right, these are the people that I'm going to follow business wise. And we'll just see what happens from there. Mm -hmm. I think the other piece that was, um, that was kind of complicated of putting it together is like, I am the boss. Yeah. (laughs) I have the final say, 
even if other people have conflicting things of what I'm talking about, it's, it's my business. And I just, and I think that that sometimes is like, who's going to make this decision? And it's like, you, <laughs> you have to make the decision. Um, so I think a lot of it has been a lots of trial and error, lots of kind of like fumbling around with like, is this how it works? Uh, is this all above board? Does this all make sense? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think one of the best like advice things I've heard is just like, uh, who cares? The first five years of business is just chaos anyways. And then <laughs> after that is when you're really kind of like hitting your stride. Yeah. So I've like really rested on that. And <laughs> been like, okay, great. <laughs> And that's something I wanted to ask too. So I imagine there's a lot of like anxiety and stress that goes into this of having to have that final decision. Like I, I defer decisions to everybody as much as I can. So to be that front and center to make all these decisions to, you know, worry, like there's so many great things about being a niche market because that's what business thrives when you're have your own kind of context, but that also could make it not work because what if nobody wants that specific niche so how do you manage that anxiety is it kind of that mantra of just not think about it and keep forging ahead or yeah I think that it is I think that I have a long-term vision of what I want happening Mm -hmm. and I think that I really trust and believe in like that vision and like my skills to do it Mm -hmm. um And I do think that the rest feels very unknown and in some ways out of my hands, you know, like, I think that it's like the, the thing that, that grounds me in it. And that's not to say that again, I'm just waking up, like, I feel so calm about everything that's happening with the bit. Like I'm, I'm going through a major like marketing shift right now that will be good, but will take a lot of heavy lifting. So I'm just like trying to sort that out. Um, but I think that it's, it helps me to kind of just like zoom out and just see things in perspective, right? Like mm-hmm. all of these little steps will not be the things that I will be stressing over five years from now. Like right. this is just, this is, these are just pieces that I have to work through that get me to that vision. Um, so that kind of like helps sustain me. And I think again, the piece of like, and then I'm just going to mess up that failure mm-hmm. is, is fine. And it's just like, Part of the process. Yeah. And it's just kind of the point, right? Like I just, I have learned quite a bit through my fumbles and through my mistakes. Um, So I think that just making, making a lot of peace with that and still adding to the, like, this is all just a part of the story. This is not the, like you messed up. And then that's why you need to stop because you didn't do this one thing. Right. It's like, all of these things are all adding up to the story in the same way that all the work that I've done all these years prior led me here. I had no idea. I had no idea. Right. I always wanted to kind of run a business, but I didn't know like what it actually would look like or what it would mean. And, you know, here I am now. So like, of course I can still be in some different situation five years from now that is still in alignment with my vision and like Mm -hmm. what I think my point is here. So yeah. yeah. Amazing way to look at it. (laughs) Yeah. And how much of your day like day-to-day life is business oriented versus like actual I don't have the right word for it because in academia we just call it like content but the you know actually working with your clients so working with clients versus that behind the scenes business like is there a ratio that you try to strive for or what does that look like I think that I'm still kind of in the like noticing researching 
piece of like, mm -hmm. so what does this look like? Is it going to be half and half? I would say right now it's probably like 30, 70, like 30% client work, 70% just like, you know, marketing, survive. trying yeah. to do right. Yeah. Like trying to do all the business things, trying to like just working on the, on the programs, on all of it. Um, and yeah, I think that I'm still, I'm not sure. I think that if you had asked me even a year ago, what I wanted that ratio to look like, it would have been like, oh, surely I want it to be 70% client work, 30% yeah. just doing business, you know, like I had my ideas of it, but the reality is that it, sh it just might not shake out that way. Um, and if it, you know, I think I'm just still trying to figure out, yeah, like what is my sweet spot? Like, dude, would I want to take on a lot more clients right now? Do I want to just keep marketing? Do I want to like where kind of knowing which direction to go in? I'm still kind of like, oh, we'll just see. <laughs> but yeah, I think as of right now, it's 3070. And I think I'm okay with it. I still am just like, I need more information. Right. Yeah. And then do you ever think about being able to like outsource some of that work at some point? Like I, it's easy to outsource like a website design or, you know, eventually get somebody to manage the money and stuff like that. Is that a part of the process of thinking mm -hmm. about how to do that? Yeah. I mean, I would love to really just drop this marketing on somebody else. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I would really, cause I think that there are certain aspects of, of the business side of it that I really like and I enjoy. Um, you know, marketing just really is not one of them. So <laughs> it think, takes a lot of work. You have to constantly be marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of have to be on in a particular way. And I, I yeah. really, I have my issues with some of the like manipulative marketing that's really kind of out there right now. Absolutely. Like, I don't want to tug at somebody's desperation yep. for them to work with me. I want to have some type of shared, like, oh, I feel like I really would resonate well with this person. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that type of marketing is not really <laughs> what people would say is the best. So, yeah. yeah, that's what we like psychology majors. We used to always say you could go to the dark side and go to advertising and make a lot more money as a psychologist that way. Cause they do some pretty, it's so weird to know that like, and you know, this from doing the marketing, it's weird to know what advertisers and marketers are doing behind the scenes and like you still fall I still fall victim to it because it's yeah. psychology and I'm like yeah. I know what they're doing and I can't stop it yeah horrible yeah and I kind of <laughs> don't want to be lumped into that group like I just don't think it's worth it right. I, don't, I don't it's just not worth it for me so yeah. I yeah trying to like ideally I would love to be connected with some type of like smaller marketing group that is very invested in like a low and slow business model. Like I'm not interested in instant success. I'm not interested in like mm -hmm. being catapulted into the spotlight because one of my mm -hmm. things on Instagram went viral and all like, it's just like, and making billions of dollars overnight. <laughs> yeah. Like all of that, all of that just sounds like a very different type of capitalism that like, I don't want to subscribe to. Like, that's why I started the business. And I wasn't so much work. Like if you get I couldn't imagine you go viral and all of a sudden you have to be like on all the time. Yeah. And that is, that's kind of the opposite of what I'm talking about. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Well, my last question I usually ask is, and it's a hard question to ask because I'm asking you to boil like all your advice down to like one or two nuggets. But if you had kind of one or two big pieces of advice for people starting out in a career or people 
thinking kind of at the bottom of a current career and wondering if they should change, what advice would you give? I would say that you get to change your mind. <laughs> That's good. You get to just, you know, you get to do a complete 180 and go somewhere else and do something different. Um, and I think that perspective is very, very helpful. Being able to zoom out really can kind of calm whatever anxiety is happening around the choice career-wise. It feels very high stakes. And I think that taking a few beats to kind of just pause and really think through so what's happening here um, is helpful. Cause it's often not the situation. It's just our feelings around it, right? It's like, yeah. oh, I'm just feeling super uncomfortable. And it's like, yeah, that's real. You're trying to figure out a career path. <laughs> so <laughs> let's just sit with that versus making this, you know, making this one situation super, super intense when it just doesn't have to be. Right. And I was sorry, I was just thinking too, there was another question I did want to ask you because your website is a place for Audrey.com, right? How did you come up with the name for the business? Yeah. And that's also part of the huge marketing shift, but um, <laughs> I came up with the name because when I think about, when I was thinking about this vision for myself, um, liberation is at the biggest forefront of it. I identify yeah. as a black feminist. I you know, as somebody that has been in activism and social justice work, I have always been really focused on liberation. And I think that the biggest person who has been my kind of guiding path towards that has been Audre Lorde. Okay. Um, and I really loved all of her work. She was kind of my first introduction to Black feminism and to what it meant for me to live a liberated life that doesn't have to involve suffering and like all the different things and models that I practice and embody right now are because of her body of work. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to name it after her. That's so amazing. Yeah. So I'm going to encourage everybody to go to a place for Audrey.com because even if you have obviously your coaching and everything on there, again, it's a beautiful website. It kind of made me tear up with like all the talk of making you find your place and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, I need that. Um, but there's also some free downloads on the website as well that are really great and easy to download. So I'm going to encourage everyone to go there and I'll put them in the show notes too. So it's easy to yeah. click on. Great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Career Journey Podcast. Head over to our website at careerjourneypodcast.com for more information and the latest episodes. See you next time.